We did it. You did it. You survived however many days of your life, six days, seven days, since version three of Breaking Change. And we got a whole new Breaking Change for you. It's the one that each change up till this point has been building up to, and that is the era of facial computing is here. Uh, our, our Vision Pro, our Apple Vision Pro devices, to use Apple's preferred way to talk about this stuff, they showed up uh, from the UPS man at uh, 5.30 p.m. yesterday. We sat them down. We, we unboxed. We, we, uh, we, meaning Becky and I, we, we each pre-ordered a unit. Um, boy, uh, I thought I'd have a lot to talk about. I just went through my list of uh, little reminders that I'd, you know, either uh, told my watch via Siri to like remind me about this. And I started collating, organizing all my thoughts. Uh, I know a lot of reviewers out there uh, who, who got early access. They covered a lot of the, the main stuff. Uh, we're not going to go into the basics here. I'm going to assume you kind of know what this product is already. Uh, you know, it's a VR headset that doesn't want to be a VR headset. Sort of a, it's a series of paradoxes, really. So I'm not going to cover a lot of the stuff that other people have. Uh, but... I will mention that a lot of these reviews, these reviewers that I watched thinking, I won't name names. It doesn't really matter, but they cover so superficial, superficially, superficially, they cover so like they spend so much of their time just explaining to the audience what the fuck this thing is that they don't actually talk about any of the problems or any of the insights or the ephemera that come up through the course of using it. And that's what I want to know is I want to know the nitty gritty. You know, I want to really dig in and understand not what this aspirationally is, but what the problems, what, what it's, what it's really like to try to use it in earnest. So version four facial computing, let's get started. I'm going to skip the life stuff. Uh, not, you know, nothing that interesting has happened. Uh, uh, I got a couple of points here, but we can cover them some other time. Cause I think, like I said, I've got a lot of notes. I, I just checked. I've got 144 notes that I've taken since 5 30 PM last night. It is 10 40 AM today. And I actually slept a full night's sleep. So this is only just a few hours total of experience so far, but I was just noticing stuff left and right. I didn't, I still haven't gotten around to launching every single stock application, um, or experience in the case of the dinosaur experience, I haven't bothered to do that one yet. So since we're skipping life and follow up, I guess it's pun time already. This is going to be a very early pun today. Just a few minutes in. Let's see. I'm loading up Aaron's iMessage chat. Oh no. Ah. <sighs> It's even got a parenthetical explanation of how I'm supposed to read it because it is a it's wordplay that only makes sense if you if you are reading it with your eyeballs, which I guess is appropriate given, uh, you know, the, the, the content of the day. It says, are you enjoying Vision Pro where are. Oh, wait, no, he says read it as AR. Well, fuck that up. He even gave me pronunciation guidelines and I read them incorrectly. AR you enjoying vision pro AR you enjoying vision pro. So for that one, you'd really have to be thinking about like, what would that look like on paper? Man, these are not, he's not sending his best. All right. Um, I'm going to copy this boy. AR, are you in? All right. Uh, I'm going to call that the worst one that we've had and just move right along. So uh, February 3rd, 
2024 version four AR you enjoying vision pro. Sorry, Aaron. Uh, there's always next time. All right. So what's my headline on this device? What is the Apple vision pro? I think it's clearly the future. And I feel even more strongly that way now that it's clearly the future because it is definitely not the present. <laughs> it is, it's coming in hot. It is not ready for prime time. And it's probably a good thing that Apple uh, uh, isn't going to make a whole lot of these or sell a whole lot of these. It's probably appropriate that they in priced it the way that they did to not entice a lot of people to want to buy it right away. Uh, it's not to say it's not worth it. It's not to say I'm going to return mine. It's not to say it's bad. Like I said, I'm not going to cover the basics here today. Uh, I'm not going to review it against its competitors because it really doesn't have any competitors. Uh, you know, Becky and I were talking this morning about how the Famicom, the Japanese uh, version of, of the Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES, before 1985, the Famicom had uh, cartridges and discs that could connect via a modem attachment and do things like banking and stock trading and horse betting in the real world. It was, it was, it was in an era of game systems, computers, computers, game systems. And the idea was, well, let's see if we can get this game system and maybe like stack it up, ladder it up to be a computer. And that's what Meta is doing, right? With, with, with the Oculus acquisition and now the Meta Quest uh, headsets. And you can see, I think they're learning the same thing Nintendo learned, which is it is really difficult to take a purpose-built game console and then make it into a general purpose computer. But the other way goes great. You know, the Amiga was not designed to be a game system, but it was a very popular and successful one because as a general purpose computer, it was so powerful. And now even today, right, people build these huge gaming PCs and like ostensibly the most PC PC that you can buy ends up being specialized for gaming because no one even needs that much beef with their computing anymore. And so you can see a path where Apple Vision Pro, by being so general purpose, quote unquote, spatial computing, uh, so powerful relative to the competition, and not just in terms of horsepower, but in terms of optics and, and both when I say optics, I suppose I mean both the, the the micro OLED screens that you're looking at, as well as the cameras that it uses for pass-through video. It is just, it is attempting to do a different thing. And so there's not really competition, so it's not really worth comparing it to competition, although I might mention a few things that experientially will resonate if you've used other VR headsets before. And some of the terms of art here have been around in VR land for a long time, uh, and I'll try to call those out and define them uh, when I mention them. Instead, I'd like to measure the Apple Vision Pro against what Apple says it is, because Apple's marketing, it's sort of the wire. It's sort of like, you know, if you come at the king, you best not miss. Apple's marketing never says, never uh, equivocates. It never says, hey, well, this is where we want to be. But right now we're here. It's it's like full, full floor in. This is what it is. This is what we do. Now, they won't say it has features that it doesn't have, but they are selling the vision huh, of the Vision Pro, and they're not holding back. And so I, I'm going to measure it against that. I'm going to assume it's not a VR device. I'm not going to give it, you know, points for 
the technical constraints that it's under because Apple's not coming out and acting like there are any. Instead, if you view it as, if you measure it against what Apple says it is, then I think you have a much more interesting conversation than we're seeing in a lot of the reviews right now. And so yeah, that's what you're getting here today. Because uh, ultimately, if you just compare it to the competition, as if there were any, it blows it all out of the water. It's, it's, do you want to know if this is the best VR headset ever, even if there's never going to be any like immersive games for it in the sort of way that there is on Steam VR? Yes, it, it blows it out of the water, but it is simultaneously not nearly good enough to deliver on the promise that Apple has. And that's, you know, it's version one. The Apple Watch Series Zero, which I also purchased and used every day was a terrible product. It didn't know what it was. It was full of features that have since been cut or de-emphasized. The features that we have come to love were half-baked, the fitness, the notifications, the health. The, uh, it was slow as balls. It was the, the, the screen did not show up unless you very daintily turned your wrist up at just the right angle so you couldn't even see what time it was. Siri barely worked. The networking was terribly slow. The Apple Watch Series Zero was a promise. It was an IOU for the Apple Watch Ultra eight years later. So that's how I feel about it right now. I think the Apple Watch comparison is really strong with where this thing's at. Even the original iPhone, right? With no copy paste, no, no multitasking, no GPS, right? No video recording, right? The iPhone got there. It got a lot of this stuff, but version version one of the iPhone was similarly constrained. Although I think there are ways in which the iPhone is successful that the Vision Pro out the gate, at least with version 1.0.2 of the software, which is what I'm using, are uh, is not there. Uh, so I would summarize to say I have high aspirations for Vision OS and the Vision platform, but low expectations. As well as in terms of my use case, if, if all this is is a screen sharing utility for my Mac, like a nice display for my Mac that I can uh, angle my neck upward and just have sort of like a relaxed view, a, a neck neutral position and a big old screen uh, so that I, I'm, I'm not hunched over a laptop or I'm not, you know, um, awkwardly like having to correct my posture at my pop at my desk all the time, I would, I would use it just for that. So is it worth it for me? As long as it can do that? Yes. So that's a, a low bar to clear. Uh, and that's why if you're going out and getting one of these, expecting it to revolutionize everything. No, it is. So I say facial computing. It is an iPad on your face and you got to reckon with that. And, and in some ways it's even more iPad-y than the iPad. Like if you use the iPad for productivity, instead of the Mac, because you like the idea of simplicity, but sometimes the animations and stuff frustrate you. This is going to be more that way than even the iPad is relative to the Mac. So let's talk a little bit about first launch experience. What's it like when you unbox this thing? And I would say that the unboxing experience is complicated. The box, uh, people are saying the box is big. It is big, but it's not huge. It's, you know, about twice the size of a headset. You open up the box, you see the headset. It's got this little sweater on its face. It's very cute. Uh, you pull that off, you rip the sweater off because who, who needs it? Uh, it's what my sweater. I mean, there's a Jersey knit <laughs> thing that, that sits on the front of the front glass to protect the unnecessary screen that no one asked for. Uh, 
There's just so many little, it, it's been a long time since Apple shipped a product. When last time Apple shipped a product that included like all of the uh, bonuses of premiumness was probably the, it might've been Apple Watch Series Zero if you got the gold one, you got a really nice big package with a lot of extra toys. But for the normal people, probably the iPhone Edge that included a dock, right? And, and the headphones. And there was like a lot going on in that box. This is similar. This is even more so, right? Because you get the uh, alternative light shield cushion in there. You get, uh, you get the uh, alternative uh, uh, headband, the dual loop headband. You get uh, a polishing cloth. There's just like a lot of, a lot of doodads in the box. And so it, the thing that's changed from 2007 till today is now all of Apple stuff is trying to eschew plastic. And so there's those little like origami <laughs> tabs to close these little paper structures and, 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 and you peel it all off. And I was very careful to delicately not tear everything, put everything back in its place. Cause if you don't put everything back in that box, just the way it was as you're opening and, and removing pieces, it's never going to get back in that spot again, because it is a complicated pancake of a stack of pancakes of, of little boxes. Uh, so yeah, that was interesting. It felt, it didn't feel any more premium than anything else. So it's definitely still, it's an Apple box. Uh, the knit strap that John Syracuse over at ATP has called like, it's like a catcher's mitt because it kind of cradles the back of your head, no matter what the shape is. And it's got a, a tension tensioning uh, dial on the right side. It is, I told you uh, last week, it would be terrible. And I was right. It is, it, is, it is having a horizontal strap hold a heavy thing in the front of your face is stupid. And Apple should have known it was stupid, but it looks really cool if you design a cool looking one. And that's what they went for. And the reason it's stupid, of course, is that because if you want to get a good fit, with like no light bleeding, you have to tighten the fuck out of it. And if you do that, now you've just created a lever <laughs> where the fulcrum of the weight is in front of your nose. And so now all this weight is pulling your face down, which pulls it down, which makes you tighten it more. And so I saw Becky take hers off after a few minutes. And of course she had a red outline around her face. And the, this was 30 minutes after Aaron uh, uh, Patterson, tender love. Uh, he, you may know him as the one who provides the puns on this program. I had a big old red ring around his face. It's, it's the wrong strap. And the fact that Apple shipped it is hubris in my opinion, because it makes good marketing. And again, what are they doing here? They're selling the lowercase V vision of the platform in advertising right now. I would not be surprised if version two of this has a fundamentally different default strap. Uh, once, once, once it's broken into the zeitgeist more. Uh, so yeah, it's bad. The top strap, you know, you might remember I said would be better, but still not good. Uh, I am proud to report it is better, but still not good. It is a very, very basic top strap. Uh, so dual loop, meaning one strap goes behind your head and then the other strap goes above. And the problem with this one, other than being cheap and seemingly a complete afterthought that was designed, you know, maybe a, a few months ago, the, the problem with this one is it's very uh, fixed. So meaning like the, the top strap is, is a fixed, it's not adjustable. You can't move it back 
to, to put some of this weight distribution towards the back of your head. It's all just right at the front. And so you can tighten the shit out of it, which I recommend doing to the point of discomfort, because that'll still load more of the weight at the, at the crown of your head. Is crown the front? Is crown like right? I'm talking about like the right above forehead spot. And then you can tighten the back and get that just snug enough so it's not going to not gonna go anywhere. The nice thing about it being lightweight and, and simple, at least, is that you can, uh, it compresses a lot smaller than the other band does. So, so when you're just carrying the thing around, it's, it's more compact, I suppose. Uh, you know, the downside, of course, with the design of having the audio pods stick out so far is that you open this thing and you see immediately it is smaller than just about every other VR headset because other VR headsets are bulkier. They, they, they seal in more light with having kind of larger plastic enclosures. They just got more, uh, Fisher price kind of plastic all over the place. This is a, a, a live little, very cute piece of hardware that is all of its slimness is sacrificed immediately by these immovable plastic audio pod and slash uh connectors for the uh, straps that stick out like two and a half inches so if you, i could totally throw this thing in the bottom pocket of my tom bin that's like horizontal and just and have it be in its own dedicated pocket and probably be totally fine but for the um, rigid plastic of those audio pods that stick out. So like it, it makes a much larger footprint than, than necessary. And other designs could have solved that. But again, version one, Apple's not thinking about people actually traveling with this. Apple would probably prefer if you didn't. By the way, Monday, two days from now, I'm going to be on a plane with this thing. Where I'll be sure to let you know how that goes. Uh, Neelai Patel over The Verge, he said he kept coming back to the fact that whatever strap you use, it's going to mess up your hair. And uh, he is right. I saw Becky with her ponytail, no ponytail, hair up, hair down. It was It's for somebody who's got a significant amount of hair. And uh, I will say that among the target demo of middle-aged affluent people, there is a gender disparity in hair quantity. So the fact that Neelai and Becky are blessed with tons and tons of hair, yeah, that's a problem that they got. So I I feel like I was actually kind of relieved. Like, finally, my, my receding hairline is paying off because it was totally fine for me. Uh, just throw it on, throw it off. My hair looks like shit either way. Check. <laughs> it's great. Uh, ultimately, when it comes to straps, though, whether I, I refer to this as a pod style strap, other people call them a halo strap because there's a uh, it's like a halo. I assume because there's like a, a halo strip uh, across the forehead uh, above it, above you. Uh, Bobo VR, which is a funny sounding name. They made a throwaway, like a, a, a halo strap that was kind of PSVR like for the quest and then the quest two and now the quest three. And they've really iterated on it. Uh, it's a really nice strap. It feels premium. It distributes weight perfectly. It feels like this thing is not even on your head. I don't think they have any imminent plans of releasing a, a custom strap for Apple vision. And the connectors are weird enough, like they're little tiny pill-shaped uh, pieces of metal. There seems to be some magnetic component because they really click in there pretty good. So I'm not sure if there's going to be an MFI, a made for I <laughs> program, made for Vision Pro program uh, that, that Apple's going to release for custom straps. But I'm already thinking about like, I want to just buy the latest Bobo VR adapter or Bobo VR headset for Quest Pro quest two, sorry. 
and figure out if I can't 3D print something that'll click it into Vision Pro because I I know it'll feel so much better. Uh, so stay tuned. Hopefully some third-party ones come in and solve this problem because Apple's too proud to. Uh, in terms of the putting it on your face and setting it up, it came with enough charge that it just worked. But of course, you know, uh, uh, Becky, because we're setting up ours simultaneously, like at this point, pulls the battery out of the box and be like, oh, wow, there's this. <laughs> She'd forgotten that that you also have to be tethered to this very heavy brick. And it's it's not intuitive, first of all, how that you need to, but 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 second and more importantly, how to click in the uh, uh, the the battery into the side of the headset. But once you do, it's a it's a firm lock. It's not magnetic. You put it in, you twist it, and you make the the dots line up. Uh, so so she got there. Uh, once you put that on, the battery has enough charge that, of course, you can do the initial setup. The thing will boot. The setup for me was simple. It was great. It was like, hey, you know, hold the crown. We'll we'll use these motors to spread these eye lenses way far to the <laughs> way far apart because you got a big head. And of the of what I remember of it, it was you know kind of fun. It felt like target practice. The uh, 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 asking you, Hey, look, he, look at all these eight dots in a circle and then click your fingers together to kind of, you know, practice the game of, of selecting with your eyes and fingers. And that went great uh, for me. Uh, the, 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 the pass through video looked solid. There was no screen door effect. Clearly it's a, it's a good display uh, screen. I, I've got really good vision. I'm, I'm very fortunate still to have pretty good vision. Uh, I can see screen door effect, meaning like the little tiny, tiny, tiny black lines horizontally and vertically between each pixel. Not that uh, you're actually seeing, you wouldn't see that with a naked eye, but these lenses have a magnifying effect. And so you're really like, it's like you've got a loop or a, a magnifying glass over the display is how you're actually experiencing it because they're so tiny. They're like postage stamp size displays. And so for almost every other headset, I can see these quote unquote screen door of, of pixels and that, and I can't in Envision pro and that's really nice. But one thing, another effect that really throws off people's uh, appreciation of the immersion of virtual reality headsets. If it's not screen door effect, they're called God rays, uh, or, or highlighting like basically, um, like a lens flare where the lenses have a certain amount of thickness. And when light hits those lenses from the sides, they bounce back to you and they cause a lens flare or a specular highlight. That's unwelcome because it's not real. It's just an artifact of the fact that light is passing through lenses. And you might experience, I don't know if people experience this who wear glasses in certain dark rooms with like pinpoints of bright light or something, but it's not just with pass through showing that it's, if you're in a fully immersive environment, in fact, it's more pronounced when everything's black, but there's like one really bright white thing. Like for example, you're in the theater watching an Apple TV app, uh, uh, program and the Apple comes on, like you're going to probably see all this like random, uh, uh, God rays or, or, or pieces of stray pieces of bright light just kind of coming from the wrong angle it's really distracting and it screws up the visual fidelity of anything that is occluded by that god ray so god rays on this are as bad as anything else that i've used to be honest uh it's disappointing uh they're they're similar to if not worse than the valve index if that reference makes any sense to you uh and and i assumed it would be better because i 
I don't know if Vision Pro uses what are called pancake lenses, but I, I, these lenses must be thick enough that those God rays are still pretty bad. So that's a bummer. Well, well, anyway, while I was having a good time setting stuff up, Becky's phone failed halfway through. Uh, you know, you do the thing. It's basically just like setting up an uh, AirPods or a HomePod. Now you have to uh, pair with, yeah, I think you have to pair with a phone or an iPad. You, there's no choice. And when you do, you must unlock the phone, go to the home screen and click set startup. And then there's a QR code, a little cute circular QR code that you have to look at on the phone from the Vision Pro. And I did it. It was fine. Becky really struggled to get like the phone unlocked, get it to show up. It wasn't showing up. When it finally did show up, she did it. She got to the next screen and then the phone immediately went to sleep and stopped doing the thing. And so that resulted in it requiring her to do um, a manual login. And the manual login, of course, was really difficult because she hadn't even put in her prescription lenses yet, uh, which, again, we probably should have done first. So we, we popped off the headset, put in her prescription lenses, uh, got the manual login going. Then there was a video about how to click, you know, like a tutorial, like, hey, everyone, here's how you use this fucking thing. You know, you look at stuff and then you pinchy pinch your fingers together and then that's how you click. And the it detected prescription lenses. It says, hey, do you want to use these or not? And so she looks at use these and she tries to click and nothing happens. And she's kind of getting increasingly frustrated because she's, I'm, I'm telling her like, no, no, don't poke at it. Cause I, she was doing that too. I could see, uh, you know, just, you're supposed to look at it and then pinch with your fingers. And she's saying it's not working. And I realized what had happened was that the order of things got fucked up somehow where the prescription lenses were in. Uh, but maybe it's cause we put them in later. She'd seen the video teaching her how to click. But, but because of where that wizard is in the first launch experience workflow, there was the, the clicking hadn't been activated yet. So like the, the, whatever subsystem actually is looking at your eyes and letting you click that wasn't active yet. The only way for her to proceed would have been to click the digital crown in, but nothing was telling her that to like hit the button. In fact, as time passed and she kept pinchy pinching with, with no effect, the voiceover would start to kick in as if there was an accessibility issue and she couldn't see stuff. So then voiceover is talking in quite loudly in our room. And the thing about it is to dis dismiss voiceover, you have to click in the, 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 the crown again. So now she's clicking in the crown to dismiss voiceover, but we just, you know, muscle memory says, okay, well, that's the thing to dismiss this annoying sound and clicking it again, dismissed it again, you know, when it came back, but, but only the, 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 the goal, the, the only path through the eye of the needle here was she had to think, oh, I need to click the digital crown to confirm that I want to enable these prescription lenses during the five seconds between voiceover assistive help chiming in, which is just absurd. Uh, but she got there. And for me, it was agonizing because I'm trying not to snap or anything. I think I know what's right. And of course, I don't know shit. But I'm, I'm trying to help, but I, I, I can't because I can't see what she's seeing because there's no way in that early in the tutorial to like set up uh, AirPlay to an Apple TV or something. So uh, that sucked. And then because her iPhone had shit the bed on the setup, even though she'd manually signed into iCloud to activate the device, even then iCloud was never activated uh, or never signed into after launch. So 
I just did that this morning uh, when I noticed that she was signed out because she said, oh, I wanted to go and check my pictures and my pictures aren't here. And sure enough, that nothing was there because her iCloud wasn't signed in. So terrible first launch experience for her. Uh, Adding to that, personas. You know, personas are Apple's uh, uh, euphemism for a video gamey 3D rendered version of your head and top of torso that is constructed by scanning your face from some different angles and then from monitoring what your face muscles are doing and your eyes are doing while you have the headset on to create a 3D version of you that is uh, uh, whose responsibility or role in the operating system is primarily uh, to participate as you when you're doing some kind of video chat because there's not a camera inside that could actually just be just your eyes. That would be creepy. Uh, and, uh, also, you know, you're not particularly like evenly illuminated, so it couldn't really just be a camera feed of your eyes. And, and since there's not some droid drone flying in front of your head, it can't just take a, f- a photo of you or video of you with the headset on. So if you're going to do video chat and that's sort of a table stakes now for any sort of real computing platform, this is kind of the only path they could have taken. And it must have been the only path they could have taken because these things are so bad. They're they're very impressive, but very bad. Uh, yeah, so they're demoralizing. Uh, uh, they're creepy. They're overwhelming. And then that passes after a while, and they just become hilarious. Uh, like I, uh, Becky, I like Becky's line talking about personas after uh, her first experience. She said, "You know, it's both too real and not real enough. It's very uncanny valley, of course, a very polar express." Uh, Aaron and I, uh, Aaron called me with FaceTime, and I had a normal flat FaceTime with him while he was his persona, uh, and I put that up on YouTube yesterday because it's so ridiculous. Actually, late last night, um, I called Aaron after I had my stuff set up, and we're persona to persona. It's like person to person, except not. We we had a real fun chat where he shared a screen. We're, we're fighting through different aspects of the system together, talking through our faces are fucking up. Like my uh, my head is way in f- behind. Yeah, way, way in front of my torso. So like at a weird angle, like like my whole like something about my scan really screwed up. So I looked really ridiculous. Uh, I, I don't think I'm going to share pictures of that here or do chapter art, but just imagine uh, I was shitting myself laughing. I, I, don't, I can't remember laughing that hard in years. I took the headset off because Becky came in because I woke her up because I was being so loud and I apologized and I, I was literally crying. I was like mopping water off my cheeks and that never happens. People die and that doesn't happen to me. It was fucking hilarious how bad Aaron and I looked as we tried to just grope around this face computer. Uh, boy. Yeah. So that's personas. The, the, uh, the only other first launcher setup sort of thing that I want to reflect on it. And it's another Aaron versus me contrast. Aaron uses iCloud keychain for everything, including TOTP, 2FA, multi-factor auth, uh, uh, codes. And if you do that, you're going to have a good time. If you use one password, you're not going to have a great time because first of all, you have to download the one password iPad app. There's not a vision pro app yet. When you do, there is not the auto iCloud setup thing where it just like takes your password. So the iCloud keychain sync wasn't set up for me anyway, which meant that I had to 
get my secret key out because the QR code scan doesn't work because apps are not allowed to actually access any of the cameras on the device, which is wild to me. And really, you know, we'll talk some other time about the apps that I want to build. They all depend on having some kind of camera feed or some sort of like much more sophisticated than, than Apple's going to give you a view of the AR world around you. So that's a separately demoralizing thing. But anyway, yeah, the one password QR reader, when you click it and you give it access, what it's really giving access to is your persona, but, but you don't need your persona. You need to read a QR code. And so ultimately when I got to that panel, it was just a, one of those, you know, video icon with a, with a slash through it. So QR code wasn't going to work. So I needed the whole emergency kit with my, you know, uh, domain, my email, my, uh, uh, one password, and then the secret key. Uh, uh, and the secret key you got to get from another computer. So then I had to figure out screen sharing. And now like, I'm still just kind of pinching around everywhere, trying to get it. Cause I don't have my keyboard, and my trackpad out yet. And it ultimately, it probably took me like 10 to 15 minutes just to get one password logged in. And then once I did, it took me several more minutes to figure out how to enable the Safari extensions and how to enable, uh, uh one password as a, a system level password provider. And these are, you know, these are problems that every time you try to new, do a new platform, like when people talk about potentially competing with the iPhone or Android and starting a brand new mobile operating system, every year that they wait, it gets harder because our expectations are higher and the capabilities of these platforms are greater. So the barrier of entry also rises. And this is true even when Apple launches a new platform because it's they couldn't launch this and not have copy and paste. They couldn't launch this and not have the, you know, third party app password provider API built in. But when all of the user interface stuff needs to be built from scratch, it means that they have to figure out a way for you to get that stuff set up. And that's why when in doubt, just do whatever the iPad does as sort of a fallback mechanism was clearly their approach. And even that falls down. Uh, somewhat regularly, and we'll talk about that in other ways, but suffice to say, one password and getting that going was not fun. Uh, I, I had to take a break. I don't get nauseous really with, 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 I haven't been with this headset, but I, I, I needed a break cause I was mad. It was just like demoralizing, frustrating. I was pinching, nothing was working. I, I got, so I got logged into one password and I was like, cool, now I can download apps and, and log into the apps. Uh, uh, and it felt, it felt really just like I was, um, swimming upstream. And I know, you know, there's a, in our, in our minds when we know something is a one-time annoyance or one-time cost versus a this is just shitty and this is how it is and how it's always going to be. There's a lot of these one-time costs and getting set up with any computer or any, any new iPad or phone or whatever, where you're going through settings and you're getting stuff. So I knew this was a one-time annoyance, but it really like the fact that one password was so fucked out the gate really wrecked my first launch experience. Uh, in the same way, Becky really struggled getting her persona to scan correctly and, and look at all realistic and still wasn't happy about it. Uh, you know, there's just enough steps. There's enough opportunities to fall off the bus during this first launch experience with the Vision Pro that I'd be surprised anyone gets this thing set up and doesn't immediately say, "All right, I need a drink. <laughs> I'm going to pour something. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to think about what I did. I'm going to do that Pedro Pascal thing where I just sit on the swing and just stare off in the distance for a while." 
because this, if this is the future, it's like I said, not the present. Uh, so yeah, uh, I did that. I got set up and I live to tell about it. So moving right along, uh, we should talk about navigation and the kind of interaction model that vision pro has you use. Uh, so it's all about eyes and fingers. You've probably seen that retina tracking or eye tracking of your eyes and what you're looking at is how you, it's the equivalent of the mouse, right? It's, it, it, it's, you hover over stuff by gazing at it and then you click stuff by tapping your fingers together. Now, there's been a lot of, in the, in the reviews, I think it was good that a lot of them covered that these are indirect things. It's not you looking at something selects it. It's a camera seeing your eyes at a certain angle that selects it. Whereas like touching the, the, the screen of an iPhone is what does it. It's not like some other thing. Yes, it's a sensor, right? But there's an indirection to it where, and there's a leg to it where it's, it's just fussy enough. It doesn't feel like I'm thinking this and then I click it. It's just, I'm, I'm looking at it. And the most, more intently I look, it usually hits there, but like it might be off or it might just not see it. Uh, and I've, you know, like I, I've got good vision. Uh, as far as I know, I've got beautiful, wonderful irises that, that, that any good scanner would, would love to work with. It's not like I got lazy eyes or any sort of condition like that. Uh, it's just indirect. It's not, it's not satisfying and clicking with your fingers, pinching your two fingers together. I've used gesture-based controls, uh, in all kinds of systems over the years, uh, in different contexts, including the, you know, the quest Two introduced, uh, a gesture like control. And I just, I find it icky to tap against myself skin to skin. Like I, I don't like it. It feels uncomfortable to me. I don't know what that says about my self image or whatever, but it's sort of like, I, I want something more satisfying than some more skin and the pad of bone underneath and calling that a click. Cause my body says, Hey dummy, that's a dumb motion. And I have to say nobody it it's, there's a camera looking at that hand. And when I make that dumb motion, buttons get clicked. It just feels unsatisfying. I, yeah. Anyway, uh, if, if you're, if you're because, like I said, the when in doubt, do what the iPad does or when in doubt, literally use an iPad app or iPad metaphor is so pervasive in vision pro that it so often feels interchangeable to, to go from a vision pro native application with, um, you know, back in the original iPhone, every button was supposed to be 44 pixels. Now points 44 pixels wide, uh, because that was roughly how big a fingertip would be to make it a pleasant tap target. The iPad has a tighter expectation of 
button placement than Vision Pro. Meaning Vision Pro, if you're going to translate, try to translate, well, like I, I, iPad ideally is still like 44 points, but like in reality, that's that's gotten tighter as, as humans over the last 15 years have gotten better at using capacitive touchscreens. So like, let's call it 35 points. Now, if you're not thinking in terms of pixels, it's an arbitrary number. The unit of measurement doesn't matter, but like iPads say that the buttons typically are like 35 points wide and like maybe they're 10 points separated from one another. So you don't hit the wrong one. They are probably 30 or 40% closer together on average than analogous controls in a Vision Pro app using native vision controls. And that means that when you launch a quote unquote compatible iPad app, unless you make it really, really big, the the likelihood that you're going to look at the right thing, tap your fingers together and have the right button or the right link click is lower on the iPad compatible app than the Vision Pro app. And so if I was an app developer and I had an iPad app, I would go through just the very basic step of compiling for Vision Pro and and getting those native controls and doing nothing else just to make the app more usable. And we'll talk about one example of uh, an app like that later. I'm going to get to the mailbag, I think. But the uh, it's too close together and a lot of, you know, I iPhone um, and iPad, when you're in a website, they don't have like link hovering because hovering doesn't really make sense. You don't do a lot of hovering, right? You just tap and, and, and you're done. So you, you don't see, you know, cool button effects that you might see on a, on a computer when you hover over a link. The net effect of that is that a lot of iPad apps, when you're using them in Vision Pro and you look at them, they don't visually do anything if it's not a native um, button. It, it just, you're just looking at it and, and kind of hope and praying that when you tap your fingers together, that's the thing that you're looking at, that it's going to think that you're looking at, that's going to get selected. And if you, if you, if, if it fucks up or if you fuck up, who's, who knows who's fucking up? That's kind of like a, a whole corollary thesis of this vision pro who knows who fucked up. It was, it, was it me? Was it my eyes? Was it my fingers? Was it your camera of my fingers or was it your camera of my eyes? There's so many, was it the software, right? something frozen. Uh, so, so using iPad apps is really frustrating. And, and, and the, the one password app that I was just talking about is an iPad app. And so I would click the wrong thing accidentally because I couldn't see a hover state to confirm before I clicked. And then, oh shit, now you're down the wrong path in the tree of the, uh, the wizard, the, the sign in wizard. If you want to get out of it, there's a little itty bitty arrow chevron pointing to the left in the top left corner of this window, which is going to be separately hard for you to click. And that's just like a lot. It is exhausting when the computer does the wrong thing. It is exhausting when you are willing it to do one thing and it does another thing. And this is true of all computers for as long as time. You know, maybe it's just me, but my I feel like my eyes miss a lot. Uh, or it misses my eyes a lot. Again, you know, I don't know whether to be using passive voice because I don't know whose fault it is. If you're used to going fast in your computing environments, you're going to have a fucking bad time working with eyes and fingers here. Uh, that's my eyes dart around a lot. Apparently they're constantly back and forth. They're right on the border between touch targets such that like, if I'm typing into one thing, uh, very often it'll just, I'll just like see the hover state of two controls next to each other, just kind of like dart back and forth, like rapidly. There's not like a debounce effect where like, you know, Apple, the, the operating system might like want to slow that down to like not spaz out, but it's, 
it wants the operating system needs that to be fast because it's already too slow right when you select something with your eyes it needs to be even faster than that because the recognition isn't as fast as it could be it's fast it's faster like it blows out the rest of the competition but it's not instant you're faster than it so your movement of your eyes and your brain's understanding of what your eyes are doing is faster than this camera how many milliseconds like 10 20 i don't know but it's enough to for this shit to add up where like one out of a hundred would be too many fuck-ups for this system uh and it's it's I would kill for one out of a hundred because what happens is I'll look at a thing, I'll click my fingers and then I'll look to the next thing and then the click will register on the next thing. And so now I clicked the, like I'll, I'll click wherever the next thing is, which is now what, you know, the screen prior or whatever it, 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 it's difficult to convey this, but it's a sequencing issue. If you were to look at a link and then you were to click a mouse and then you were to go and move and click on another thing or hover over another button. But then like there's a, a two second leg on that first click getting registered and it actually clicks the second thing like you would stop using your computer. And that's how this feels. So I, I can't help but be frustrated because I if to use this system well, you have to slow down way down. You have to look at the button. You have to see the hover state. And granted, even in the Vision Pro stuff, even the built-in shit, there's often no hover state or the hover state is so subtle. You can't tell. It's like light gray on white background. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. All right. Everybody know. And then you're there and then you tap the thing. And I just feel like I just, um, it feels like having to slam on the brakes when when a yellow light turns red you know like it, it feels so you feel decelerating which the, the the sensation of deceleration when i'm using a computer is what is why i care so much about feedback loops because that sense of deceleration is demotivating it's frustrating and it, it distracts and derails my train of thought so that's not going to fly it's just not a good can it be better yes but can it be as good as it needs to be without drilling a hole into your brain and reading your neurons? Like, I don't know. Hopefully the drilling part isn't necessary, but I think that the end game here is definitely going to be some sort of brainwave reading dingus. That is part of a future version of this. Uh, is that five years from now, 10 years from now? I don't know. Like there's already been a lot of interesting breakthroughs on, on brain link kind of stuff, but this is Neelai Patel again. He was calling it like he feels like some of this stuff might be a dead end. I, I don't think it's a dead end. I just think this isn't ready yet. So uh, you're not, you know, it's frustrating when you're not clicking. You're, you're, if the system is going to use language like, uh, you know, you, you just tap this or tap this, but like you're not tapping. You're, you're, looking you're waiting for one machine to see your eyes and then you're performing and then like you, you by by putting your fingers together and then you're waiting for another machine to see your hands and both those things take time more time than if another human was watching you do it which makes it an unacceptable amount of time sorry if it sounds like i'm harping on this it's just like what if you know you bought a new computer and like you had this problem with your mouse and or a keyboard 
or if like, you know, uh, take a beat, try to think of another analogy. I, the story that came to mind was my dad, let's see, dad, mom, they bought a um, windows 95 machine in 95 and it was very slow for, for the family. Uh, but it was understandably slow. It was the first time we'd used a, a graphic user interface before that. We only had ever used DOS and it was cool. And I experimented, I played with it. And then around 98 or 99, we got, uh, maybe it was 99. We got a, another computer, a new computer that was faster, bigger hard drive, more Ram. And I was so excited to finally have a fast computer and it was windows 98 SE. And I remember the very first day we got it, dad spent all that money and I was such a little snot. Because I sat down, I opened up, I double clicked my computer, then I double click C, and I double click a folder, and each of those operations was like 400, 500, 600 milliseconds, maybe one, two, three seconds to open a folder because the, the hard drive had to grind it out. Remember that sound? Just like it's an organ grinder monkey inside your computer just going, and then it would pop out, and 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 I'd have. I'd be in the folder, but I remember just feeling like computers should be faster than me. The comp- the computer is good at what, right? Like I, I, I am a human in the land of meat bags and I exist corporeally and I'm, you know, better at that human stuff than a computer would be if it were to suddenly have a robot body. When I'm, if, if it was playing at my house, when I am on a desktop with a mouse and keyboard, I am visiting your house, Mr. Computer, and God fucking knows that like you should be better at this shit than I am. You like if I double click, this is my, you know, 13-year-old, 12-year-old brain. Yeah, 13, 14-year-old brain. Like, it just intuited for me that like if, if I double click a thing and I'm waiting, like the computer fucked up or somebody who made the computer fucked up, like this is not my fault. This is your fault. And I I got angry. Like, like irritated, not like rabbit or something, but irritated. And I'll, and I'll never forget. Cause like dad was in the room and he was like, well, Jesus Christ, I spent all this money. You asshole, you know, <laughs> kind of reaction, <laughs> totally fair. And I was like, dad, it's not you. This is good. This is the best. It's just not good enough. That is, uh, almost too on point for how I feel about where the vision pro is right now. This is going to be so awesome in 15, 20 years. And I'm, I am, I have a healthy impatience for that because it's just like, it's not, not even close yet. Um, seriously, like God, the finger can't get over the, the skin on skin thing being so uncomfortable when you pinchy pinch, I would, I would pay, I would pay a hundred dollars for Bluetooth castanets, you know, that little like clickety clackety, uh, uh, musical accoutrement that you just click and then have it work hundred percent of the time. I would love to just have a thim- two thimbles that you clank, clank together and have that be wired in over Bluetooth, somehow wired in wireless over Bluetooth so that you, you could just reliably click just like you can click on a mouse because that would be faster. It would be more reliable and you'd have some tactile feedback and you don't have any of that with the current system. Hell, you know, even if it's not Bluetooth, I'd pay $10 just for fucking two pieces of plastic to clash together because the feeling of just constantly like tapping your fingers together is fine. Don't get me wrong. Like, and you can kind of, you know, you can adjust it, right? You can, you're performing for a camera, so you don't have to actually 
push hard. But when it fucks up and when it doesn't read it right, when it just doesn't register the, 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 the click, then you're going to, you're going to tap your fingers harder, you know, just like you, <laughs> when I used to do a lot of QA on software teams, uh, I would be sitting and like, working and like, you know, you click the button, the button wouldn't do anything. And I would be like sh- shoulder surfing the QA person. I'd be like, click harder. <laughs> and they'd always laugh. And I'd be like, no fucking click harder. And that's how I, I'm going to like, just like burn in like a, like a, like a, a half centimeter of skin off of my right index finger at this rate. Because when, when I click on something and the hover state doesn't change, there's no indication that the click was registered and I just keep on doing it. And then I realize, oh, the fucking app is frozen, which we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Having some, at least if I had some $10 cast of nuts, I'd have like a pleasant, like, you know, flamenco dancing kind of sound going on for fuck's sake. Uh, let's, let's move on. So again, you know, that, that's, don't even get started by using the keyboard, by the way, uh, the last kind of like of uh, using these interaction metaphors, the keyboard is, is just, it's not, it's, it's a hunt and peck little thing. It's, it's worse than the Apple watch keyboard, which at least has some sort of swipe. It's uh, let's move on. Uh, let's move on to talk about window management. Uh, window management is bad. You know, this is a negative review because I, again, I am not pulling punches. I'm not going to give Apple extra credit points because like they set themselves up for this. They think it's fucking awesome. They're acting like it is. It's not there yet. And I, you know, I hope if you are on the fence about ordering this and you're listening, if you want this thing, order one by all means, this is probably going to be, they're probably not going to have a new one of these for at least a year and a half. I'd be surprised if there was one within a year. So if you want one of these and you got the money, get one, I'm going to probably keep mine. I'm just disappointed that they're not selling the vision and I, I, they're selling the vision, but they're not selling, you know, God damn it. You know what I mean? So window management is bad because there's there are so few mechanisms that you as the user have to manage them. If you open up multiple apps naively, you can, you can bring up the home screen. Uh, uh, if you, since I mentioned keyboards, if you have a physical keyboard, you can hit command H. Uh, but if you don't, you can hit the crown button and bring up the home overlay or whatever they call it. It's not a screen because you can still see stuff behind it. And when you launch something, it doesn't remove the other stuff. It just plops that window in front of you. So if you just, crown app crown app crown app you'll have three apps all kind of stacked on top of each other which is reminiscent right of having three applications in macOS stacked on top of each other the difference here is there's no command tab there's no way to switch between those apps but to go through and look at their little like at the bottom bar just like on an iPhone pinch the bottom bar indicator and then drag it to the side or drag it up or drag it to the left. And so you carefully now are dragging all these forward and back and moving them around. And because there's no command tab equivalent, there's no app switcher, when they're all in the same space, you end up then with uh, a kind of like tons of windows around you. Uh, so then you, you end up with, yeah feeling overwhelmed, I guess, because 
having a whole lot of windows around you is actually nice. That's like kind of what they're selling. But like, for example, if I had a window in front of me, that was a document I was writing and then like music to the left and, uh, you know, I don't know, some artwork to the right. I, I can't think of an example, but like something where it's like carefully coiffed windows. Oh yes, this is so pleasant. This is my workspace. Maybe, maybe the email to the right. That would be great. And that is great when that's what you're doing. But if you're just trying to fucking like, okay, so I need to go open one password to copy this one time code out of one password and then into this other app that's in a Safari window. And oh yeah, I want to, you know, I also have to like go and check my to do tracker and things or, or log something in there. And they're all stacked right in front of you or even just all around you. What you end up with is not the carefully coiffed thing. It's like you're now flung four windows, five windows, six windows all over the fucking place. And it feels super overwhelming. Uh, so you, I end up just, you know, then wanting to close them all, but there's no easy way to close them all, except for look at the very smallest touch target or, or pinch target in the whole operating system, which is a little dot left of the flat indicator to move things. And it, it's very slow. The animation is like 250 milliseconds. You look at it, the dot gets bigger, has little X, you pinch that and then, the, and then the window closes. Now I'm doing that eight, nine, 10 times only to five minutes later end up in the exact same situation where I've now clicked the crown that many times to open the apps that many times. Uh, the, if you have a hardware keyboard, uh, command space brings up spotlight, but it's not, it's buggy as shit, just like real spotlight, because you'll type the name of an app and you'll hit enter. And 70% of the time it'll do nothing. It'll act like it did something. It'll dismiss itself. And then it, it's like, bonk doesn't actually make that sound, but it's like nothing appears. And sometimes, oh my God, sometimes when you launch an app and it doesn't appear, it's because it has appeared. It's just behind the current fucking app and you have to drag the current app backwards to see the app that was actually already launched because it doesn't, uh, uh, this is very stage manager esque. If you've used stage manager on iPad or on Mac, simply activating the app does not bring it to the foreground necessarily. Sometimes it does, but if, if, if the system in its 3d math does not realize it has fully occluded this from your view, or if maybe just one pixel of it is kind of visible at an angle, uh, uh relative to another window, it's not going to bring it to the front. And so, you know, now, now I'm like, okay, well, spotlight didn't bring it up. And sometimes, sometimes spotlight doesn't bring it up because spotlight is broken. And sometimes it doesn't bring it up because the window's open. So when that happens now, you're clicking the crown and you're opening the app that way. And then again, it's a dice roll based on that exact same situation, if it, whether or not the app actually opens. When things fail 30%, 40% of the time, like how do you expect anyone to use this as a computing platform? I don't get it. Uh, another case is uh, when, you're, when you're using the keypad, let's talk just the virtual keyboard. Whenever you tap into a, uh, a text field, the virtual keyboard will appear right underneath, but very much in front of you, that text field, which is what you want if you're using the virtual keyboard, I guess, although you can poke at it. And so if you're trying to poke at it, it's not that great. You'd probably want that to be like a little bit lower. So not, not that you're going to touch type or anything, but it, if you were to move it, it doesn't remember the position. It remembers it for like five minutes, but then it'll go straight back into the front, which I assume it was, is intentional so that no one loses the keyboard in the process of using the system. But it has all of these like unintended consequences where, for example, uh, I was trying to airplay from 
my headset to the TV to show Becky what I was doing. And a pin code comes up on the TV and I ask Becky what the pin is. I t- and, and, and the pin UI comes up in front of me. And so I'm, I'm poking the four digits and, and there's no enter or confirm button on that pin because it's just a keyboard. The confirm button is on a panel behind the keypad that is no longer visible to me that says, okay, cancel. And to see it, I can't even move the fucking keypad because there's no visual dingus underneath it because it's like in a modal mode. So it's like having a modal dialogue in front of a window and then you're not able to actually get behind it to click the OK button underneath it to activate AirPlay. And so the only way to actually get to that button was to uh, move my physical head to the left about a foot and then at a, at a, a glancing angle go look at that okay squint really hard and then just keep on pinching until it got activated uh and and it took three tries of of that because each of the previous tries i'd hit the cancel button or it had timed out and i had to do it all fucking over again uh so that's pretty cool so that the keyboard pops up and right in front of the action and doesn't give you a way to hit okay confirm like the ios keyboard does in in obvious cases uh um in fact that little uh, virtual keyboard will keep popping up even if you're using a hardware keyboard. So if you've got a hardware keyboard and you're typing, every time you select a typable thing and you start typing, that little virtual keyboard will appear. It'll just be shrunk down to just show typing suggestions. And once in a while, it's smart enough to actually put those suggestions down right above the keyboard. And when it does that, it's very cute. It's like, oh, look at that. It's just like an iPad or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, I got like my, my little typing suggestions. I can see what I'm typing down there. But most of the time, what fucking happens is it just like bump right in the direct field of view. And now because there's no virtual keyboard, it'll actually just put those suggestions right over the like overlaid on top of. whatever um text input you're you're actually filling and so now there you have to like now take your hands off the keyboard to pinch that thing to get fling it out of the way so that you can just type and now you flung the thing away uh and and it's just going to be over there now and then about 30 seconds to two minutes later uh it'll it'll sit over there for, for 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 about that long and then the next after that timeout occurs the next thing you 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 try to select to, for text entry, that fucking little virtual thing just pops up again. And it's a nice to have if you've got a hardware keyboard. You probably don't need the autocomplete because every time you're going to use it, you need to take your hands off the keyboard to go and pinch at it. <sighs> um, speaking of keyboards and mice, I bought a Artec, like a really nice Bluetooth keyboard. There's great reviews on Amazon. It's some random third party and it's got a keyboard and it's got a trackpad. It's all Bluetooth. It's a combined unit. I paired it and then I got an immediate error message from the, the operating system saying, hey, your mouse isn't supported. Mice aren't supported in Vision OS. And first of all, it's not a mouse. It's a trackpad. It's not Apple's trackpad. But from Apple's perspective, I later learned that the only trackpad that works is the second generation Magic trackpad. And not only that, there's been... <clears throat> Okay, so if you're actually buying this, this is important to know. There's been two versions of the second generation Magic Trackpad. There's one that was sold up until 2021, May 2021. uh, That was when the M1 iMac came out. I've got two of those, and neither of them will pair with the Vision Pro. The one that came out after 2021, like with the M1 iMac, slightly more curved shape. 
that one will work with the Vision Pro. That is the only trackpad that works. No other tra- trackpads work. And mice don't work. Why don't mice work? I don't fucking know. Like it's you're just it's just like iPad. You're just dragging around the little like you know beach ball sized mount. Don't call it a mouse cursor indicator around. And uh, uh, for some maybe they're trying to sell excess inventory of Magic trackpads. That's the only thing I can think. It's not like there's extra hardware in there that makes it better. In fact, you know mice work because if you're doing the Mac screen sharing and you're looking at the Mac and you have a mouse attached, like in my case, this trackpad that the system was reporting was a mouse, that works fine. And you can see the mouse cursor moving around. And it's actually more frustrating because here, like I was having issues where like last night, like it wasn't um, successfully point and clicking with the eyes and the fingers. So then I started up screen sharing just so I could use the trackpad on the keyboard to, to have a pointer that worked, uh, which is not what they want, of course. So I, I just literally stole Becky's, uh, M1 iMac trackpad this morning. And suddenly it was like the gates swung open and this thing was a usable platform for me because I could stop trying to make the finger tapping, pinching a thing and just use the trackpad. Uh, so that was miserable. I really hope they loosen up whatever that requirement is and just, you know, get off it and let you use a mouse. Uh, I don't know why it works on screen sharing and not everything else. I don't, I, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish. It just feels like this is the end game of a lot of different Apple motifs over the last decade and they, they don't really like mice. And so the, the, why support them if long term they don't think that mice are going to be a thing? And they haven't liked mice for a long time, so I don't know. Uh, so I guess you just need to, like, I, I bought the uh, 12 South Magic Bridge this morning, begrudgingly, and yet another Magic Keyboard to fit into it, because the Magic Bridge is a just a dumb piece of plastic product that you can put the trackpad on one side and the keyboard on the other, and that way have it on your lap. Because ultimately, what I want to be able to do with this device, why am I buying it? I've got a beautiful Mac Studio at a desk that I struggle to sit at, because from posture perspective and chair and all that, I'd much rather be in a reclined position. So I want to screen share from across the room, which is networking wise possible. But now I need to have, you know, this particular combination keyboard trackpad. So I'm getting the magic bridge to kind of glue them together so that they can be one kind of firm unit. (sighs) So much for giving up on lightning, by the way, because now I need two more fucking things that charge on lightning uh, in my life. So that's great. Um, probably not going to travel with it at least because I'll have a MacBook and that has a keyboard and a trackpad on it. And those are already adhered to one another. So I, I had no reason to travel with, with that unless I'm trying to go MacBookless. But so far my experience tells me like it's going to be a while until vision pro is ready to be used, uh, for real computer stuff solo without in the absence of also having a MacBook with you. Oof. Um, <sighs> you know, I'm looking through my notes here because I just got, I'm through, how many I'm through? We're, we're making great progress. We're making great progress, people. You're doing great. Stay strong. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I appreciate the look and pinch. I think it's, I think it's revolutionary. I think it's amazing technology, but it just doesn't feel usable at all. Uh, unless you've got a keyboard and trackpad there and you're just doing it for only incidental clicks. Or maybe like if you're just putting on your Vision Pro to start a video or something, you got everything else set up and you're just, oh yeah, I'll just check my email really quick. It's fine, but it's not pleasant. It's not delightful 
to use. Like if, if I was just watching a video or just doing one of the non text related tasks. So like not thinking Safari, not thinking email, uh, not thinking notes. If I'm just doing like, I'm going to just open up a video and watch it, or there's not a lot of things you can do with this thing. Now that I think about it, um, opening up some other content consumption app scrolling, by the way, is you, you, it's like you, you do a pinchy pinch, you just hold the pinch and then you swipe it like a rope up and down. It's fine, but it's, it takes a lot of swipes to do any serious swiping. Um, when I was syncing the notes app, all, you know, 16,000 or whatever of my notes, it was taking all night long and it would keep the scroll position right in the middle of 16,000 things. And so there's no way for me to pinch the indicator and get it to go up. There might be a way, but it just wasn't working. And so I was just swiping and swiping and swiping. I, that was ultimately when I decided like I had to get a, go get Becky's trackpad to, to even scroll to the top of my notes. And for whatever reason, that scroll position stuck even after quitting and, and reopening the app. So, um, another thing that happens, speaking of window management, oof, just window management here. We're still in the window management section of the review. Uh, frequently while you're typing or using the trackpad, the window, the active window will change because it thinks you're looking at it. So if I've got two layered apps on top of each other and I'm typing into one, actively typing and looking at it, sometimes, uh, let's say I'm typing into notes and then sometimes mail will just show up. It'll just take over. And now, now the trackpad is, is moving around mail. Why? Because it's, it's sensed that while I was interacting with the trackpad or the keyboard, my eyes, my gaze shifted to the mail app, but like the mail app was only visible, like a little, uh, rhombus of, 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 of a hundred pixels in the, the upper right. And maybe I glanced that way. And that was enough to effectively hide the, the entirety of the notes app and show the mail app in its place. Uh, and so then to get rid of that, I had to close mail. Actually, it gets you to something else. Mail won't close with command W or at least it wouldn't for me. So that meant I had to go and find a little X and click it. And I think in that case, the little X just doesn't work sometimes and windows don't want to close anymore, forcing you to either force quit them or wait until they're ready to be quit. So I had to fling it out of the way. So, so command W does work to close windows. Sometimes it works in Safari pretty reliably. Safari is a very good app overall. Once you, once you configure it. Uh, but most apps don't support com command W. And so that means to close everything, you're just doing that look, wait, click, look, wait, click, look, wait, click thing over and over again. Uh, I did learn, I, uh, I got frustrated at one point and I just told Dingus, uh, hide everything. And that just worked. So if you wanted to say hide everything over and over again to yourself, uh, that's great. Um, if you're, if you're in a public place and you're also smuggling drugs, don't don't get panicked and then yell hide everything over and over again or, or somebody's going to probably find your drugs just a piece of drug dealer advice um speaking of dingus there were reports that the the vision pro team like whoever's working on this platform wanted to fork or make their own assistant because siri was so fucked was so bad and after having a half day with this thing i can see why <laughs> Because Siri's really bad. It failed at almost every single request I threw at it. And that's despite having multiple microphones all over this thing. I would ask it very basic things and it would just shit the bed. It would do some things very quickly. I was very impressed. It was able to turn on lights and turn off lights pretty much instantaneously. Uh, but but most of the requests I asked, it, just, it, it failed in, in awkward ways or it just didn't do anything at all. Uh, 
dictation was especially bad and you'd assume like something like this like so if you've if you've been following the news there are certain search bars where if you look at the microphone and you just start talking it'll start dictating there are it is very few there's like a couple search bars that are like that and i've gotten to activate once and i've had it not activate probably 10 times on supported search bars so in general you're gonna have to look at the microphone click the microphone and then start talking and only then will you find that the dictation will be completely incorrect like i was searching for things in the app store and it said thinks and then i tried again and it was like a different word and like to x out of it and start over or else it keeps typing more words it was miserable so anyway tying the bow on window management and, and interaction design here you know the mac had the mouse the mouse was like a direct way to like point a cursor the iphone had touch this has three different inter like interaction models it has you know the eye tracking it has the gesture detection and it has siri and each of these are super indirect unsatisfying interaction methods it's almost as if by throwing all three in it was like a kitchen sink approach like well hope good fucking luck guys hope hope one of these works for you uh but it's you know the sum is less than their parts it's in fact they're so bad in an aggregate that you have to pull out a physical trackpad just to get something kind of like a mouse pointer back to compensate and now we're at four different interaction methods and when you think of it it's like this operating system is brand new the ui is brand new it can't handle the fact that like oh a user might be looking at a different thing than they're pinching on than that they're than, than that they're um scrolling to in in the trackpad and oh wait siri is getting talked to there's just too many inputs that can be need to be handled at once for it to make sense of what's the right thing uh so yeah uh window management is not ideal and this is all i haven't even mentioned the fact like there's just no command tab i would kill for command tab or for command space bar which opens up search or spotlight to like work reliably as a launcher to like rapidly switch between apps that would be wonderful but there's no nothing else there's not like a mission control there's not like a way to like hey just sh explode all my windows all over the place like there will be at some point and there's it's going to make a great demo but for today window management is sort of ymmv so be prepared let's talk a little bit about the operating system and its design there's just a handful of things that don't fall up into the bucket of overall interaction that are worth pointing out uh one is i've mentioned animation speed a couple times if the very slow animations on ipad like when you switch between apps they've, they've shortened them and given you an opportunity to remove some of them over time but if those frustrated you if you remember like man it's just like every time i click i have to wait for the screen to update again you're waiting on the computer buckle up because <laughs> because vision os is a lot of that sort of affordance it feels very like similar to iphone ios iphone os 1.0 through ios 6 uh there's there's no you know rich corinthian leather or 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 poker felt table texturing but there's a lot of affordancy animation that if people were really using this for work there wouldn't be and so you may feel slowed down by the amount of animation going on uh another thing that those interaction uh frictions points of friction the, the speed of animations for example 
they really point out how just mapping on iPad metaphors to to this platform is not great because as long as it is painful to look and click at something, I guess if it's if, if it's painful to use the primary like interface mechanism, it kind of like doesn't matter how you design the user interface. You're gonna have a bad fucking time. So I don't think this is the fault necessarily of the person who made the settings app, which is otherwise fine. It's really this is more fundamental. There's like at a lower level in the system, the failure is that the the eye tracking and the finger tracking isn't good enough. But iMessage in the cloud is not turned on by default. So both Aaron and Becky had texted me or told me, my iMessages aren't there. And I, I said to each, well, iMessage on the cloud, it has to be enabled on each device that you open. I think probably because like it's so much data for a lot of people that they'd rather not sign up to start downloading that right away. So you have here's here's what you have to click to get that. You have to click the crown to open the settings app. From the settings app, you have to scroll up to the top left or look there, click, and that top left is like your your face, your name. Then you got on the right pan pan pane, you have to, to click iCloud. And then the iCloud will have a, a couple of apps, but not that one. And you have to click show apps. I'm doing this from memory now because I had to do it twice. And then you scroll down to messages and you click messages. And then when you've clicked into messages, then you have to successfully click another a, a Boolean toggle for iMessage in the cloud. And that took me probably about two minutes and probably about 25 clicks to make the 10 successful clicks that I needed. When you when you factor in misclicks, that forced me to go and click back somewhere. Uh, so it felt like fucking work. Uh so yeah, it's not the operating system's fault per se. It's just like deep hierarchies like that are going to be infuriating when, if you think of it like a tree, right? And, and a tree has branches and every step you take down from the tree, like in the diagram, if every step has a 30% chance of going down the wrong fucking path in the tree and then you have to backtrack, like just do the math on it. Like you're going to spend a lot of your time backtracking and all that is waste. And all of it is waste that we don't have to incur when we're using other platforms. So how is this better, Apple, right? You're selling me this vision that says that this is better. And uh, as long as that stuff doesn't work great, it's not. So the, it, it can't see where you're looking. It can kind of see the direction roughly that you're looking. And it, 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 it translates that to pinpoint accuracy, but it's just not accurate enough. Uh, I know I probably sound like a broken record here, but trust me, this is a listening to me say this is a walk in the park compared to the actual fucking experience so far. I'll be honest. Again, not going to return it. This is this is me endorsing the product. I think this is fantastic. I think it's going to go places. It's just not today. I God only knows at WWDC they're going to announce a beta that's going to be like marginally improved, and I'm going to be installing that beta on day fucking one. I'll tell you what. <sighs> Deep breaths. Okay. You know, you remember back in iOS 13, this is what, 2019, the iPad at the time, up until then, the first eight, nine years of the iPad, if you were to open a website, you would just get like the iPhone website version just blown out of proportion. Or, or maybe it would even say, hey, it would detect the screen size and say, hey, yo, we don't support this at all. Stuff like Google Docs just didn't work from iPad Safari 
while their app was similarly terrible and continues to be terrible. So Apple's solution to this was to trick everyone into thinking that the iPad was a Mac by replacing the user agent string from being iPhone-like to reporting that it was a, a Mac Intel platform. And this this had an immediate effect of all of the web that was gated away from you was suddenly available to you if you were an iPad user. Feels like they did that again here with iPad, where no no system, no existing apps or no existing websites are going to know what a Vision Pro is. So we will just report it as an iPad. It'll identify as an iPad everywhere. So it's like one layer deep in platform inception. <laughs> so everything's just an iPad app. So, you know, when you sign into your Google apps, it'll say, hey, Justin, finish setting up your Apple iPad device with the latest Google apps. And, and it's kind of funny, right? And, and, and this is just a piece of text or whatever. But when you consider the fact that this is a very small niche platform, I suspect that a lot of these other businesses, apps aren't going to necessarily like do anything that's vision specific for a while, which means this is a point of friction that if you live in vision world, you're going to have to deal with for a while. And if, even if you are an app developer, if you're a web developer, Apple doesn't want people to discriminate against the vision pro. So I'm not even sure how easy it'll be to detect that your, your users are using the vision pro. In fact, I'm sure it is doing stuff to obfuscate hover states like probably not firing JavaScript events when you hover over things so as to not give away users' gaze information to see where they're staring, right? You could imagine a website just having um, seemingly no-op JavaScript hover uh, action uh, handlers, responders everywhere uh, to in order to build a map of like where are they looking, just like uh, you, you might with a cursor. Apple's forbidding that. So, and the way they're probably accomplishing that is, is reducing the number of JavaScript ev- events that it triggers, uh, which means that for web developers, it's going to make it harder to make good web apps on the Vision Pro for the sake of privacy. Uh, let's see, other operating system stuff. Pass through, you know, the color gamut on this is fine. It's like, I think they advertise it as like 92% of like P3 color gamut. It just feels desaturated. So you put on the headset and you enter a very realistic world in terms of proportion. It's very impressive that it looks so, so things that are five inches away, look five inches away. Things that are two inches away, like everything is the, the chromatic aberration, right? Like of like the screen and like all of the, the, it all fits the math, the physics to make this happen is really impressive. But the one thing that does stand out is it is very desaturated. Uh, it's not nearly as bright and as colorful as real life. And I prefer life to be colorful just personally, uh, in low light, it gets especially bad because it gets really noisy and I'm fine with that because in low light, I, you know, if I have the lights off, I probably don't care what the room looks like so much, but that noise, even if you're keeping your head perfectly still will cause just constant flickering. So it's almost like little like black flames just shooting all over the place, just like, 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 and super distracting. So I couldn't, I was actually more at peace in a bright room in the middle of the night last night than I was in the dark room because the dark room had all these artifacts in the image, just constantly dancing around my eyes. And I had to pop over into one of the environments uh, and and full screen that and be in Mount Hood for a while uh, so that I could make that go away. 
The other, uh, I guess this is more of a hardware point, but Apple has not advertised what the field of vision is, the FOV on this. The field of vision describes the, you know, if you're looking forward and you can see all the way perfectly to the left and perfectly to the right, that would be 180 degree field of vision. If you could see, if you had eyes behind your head, you'd have 360, right? So our, our vision, most vision in humans is like 160 is really good, I think, if I had to guess. I'm just using my arms now, so I'm kind of navigating. I'm like, yeah, that's right, 160. The Valve Index, I think, advertises 130, but in practice, it's like 120 degrees, which is pretty wide. Vision Pro is not good. I don't think it's 90. It feels like you're wearing ski goggles, and it feels like those ski goggles are three or four inches thick. Now, one of the reasons the the, the FOV isn't good, when it's doing pass-through especially, if the, if the goggles are actually three inches thick, it's got to be three inches thick because it can't recreate the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, like in a convincing way up close at the, at those extreme angles, because you really are just looking through goggles. Uh, so, so it may be that the FOV is worse in pass through, but then you I say that, but then like you, when you go in an environment, you go full screen, it really does feel like you're looking even looking dead ahead, you can sort of see the black goggle vision around you like you're wearing ski goggles. Uh, and that's not how it feels on a Valve Index. It's not how it feels even on a Quest 2. It, it, it's it's a really disappointing aspect of the the hardware. And it makes me think that that was a, a major trade-off. Probably not with the lenses, because that's solvable. But probably with the size of these micro OL, micro OLED displays where they they were able to make those pixels really 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 small but they must be so expensive that to make them any larger physically larger would have been difficult so yeah the fov is not good uh it's good if you're you know computing i suppose right if you're focused on watching a video in front of you or filling a document out in front of you it's probably acceptable but if you're thinking about like other experiences that you've had in vr like really truly immersive experiences and games and stuff it's not good it's not good enough it's it's not hilariously bad it's probably better than the apple spectacles that are not going to have a light shield 10 15 years from now and you're going to see the world and it's just going to be kind of overlaid if that ever happens but it's it's disappointing for a 3500 headset i'll say that uh let's see a lot of stuff just feels very work in progress you know they haven't shipped internationally they don't have other language supported yet and a lot of people think that's because they're supply constrained on the hardware i'm sure they were conservative about how much hardware they wanted to promise because they had no idea how it was going to sell but honestly i doubt this version of the operating system has multi-language anything set up yet multi-read all the regional stuff that you have to do like this thing came in hot enough that it's probably the case that they need the time probably until June to even get uh, other languages working and other region regional localizations working uh, because a lot of this stuff feels very work in progress. You can install apps and they will install after the stock apps. As far as I can tell, they will install alphabetically because you can't reorganize the home screen, which is something that you could do day one on the iPhone, right? And it's ostensibly the same thing. So that's, that's, that's what I mean. It's like if Apple had somehow shipped a beta version of the iPhone in call it summer of 2006, that's sometimes how this feels. 
Aaron pointed this out to me just the, like literally five seconds after I noticed it is if you're in the environment picker, it looks like there's 15 environments to choose from, but there's really only like six because most of them just say coming soon. And that's what I mean. Like it's like placeholders. Uh, it just doesn't feel done. It, it feels very unfinished. Uh, so yeah, you know, Aaron made this point too, while we we're talking about it, you know, it feels like YouTubers and Apple reviewers oversold this thing as being more complete than it is. And I totally agree. Like it's, it, I don't know what they're, it, maybe it's just naivety. I feel like a lot of these people probably wanted to explain the device as much as review it. Uh, and they were looking at it from more of a, um, a tech specs and mapping that to features and then, and then sharing their experiences, but like to really think hard about using this now, or not, not just think hard, but like try just to use it earnestly. Like, I don't think a single reviewer just tried to use it earnestly and run into all of the walls. And then maybe, you know, if you're, if you, if you're in Apple's good graces and you get a preview unit, you probably don't want to just like light them up for every single bug because you know, you're on a version of the software that's earlier than what's probably going to ship. And it's true. 1.0.2 came out after these reviews went up. Spoiler alert. It didn't fix much. I don't think, uh, another example where I feel like a lot of these reviewers maybe just never used VR before when they talk about how awesome it is, but they, the environments don't look good. They're fine. They, they're nice. They have cool audio effects. They have uh, some cool fog and atmospheric effects and some rain effects. And the, that is 3d generated. But if you ever played cruising USA, you know, back in like 1996, the, the, the racing game that was, uh, n- n- arcades and Nintendo 64, all of the people and all of the landscapes were like flat cutouts, <laughs> uh, like, like textures of photos, but cutouts, they were not three dimensions. When I'm in Yosemite or Mount hood, I look, I feel like I am looking at a very decent, but not amazing 3d image, not a video and definitely not a full 3d construction, like in like a, like a game engine, little tiny bits feel like they're like the stuff closer to you, like the, the scatter on the floor or a table or a chair or something like that kind of stuff, like something close to you or something on the ground that looks 3d rendered. But the, the, the most of the stuff is that the landscape is in the horizon line. And that is just looks like cruising USA to me. I, they're fine. I don't think third parties can make them. Third parties can have their own app that, and the whole app can be immersive, but you can't just like live in those third party um, environments right now. And God, I hope that changes. Uh, I hope it's not like the watch with the, uh, uh, you can't make custom watch faces that only Apple owns these environments because they're just not fucking good enough. You know, it really, I wonder how many times I'm going to say not good enough on this <laughs> recording. Uh, I wonder if Apple didn't fuck up huge by blowing up their relationship with Epic games. I'm going to be honest. I, you know, unreal engine five is so far ahead of what unity can do. And if you don't know about game engines, Epic uh, blew up their relationship with Apple because they wanted to sell Fortnite V bucks directly and cut Apple out as the middleman of that transaction. And so they flipped a switch and they just did it. And Apple did the predictable thing and kicked them out of the app store. And then there's a big lawsuit. So now that means when Apple releases the Vision Pro 18 months later, they're definitely not going to use Epic's 
Unreal Engine for games or for any of the 3D rendering pipeline. And so instead they partnered with Unity, which has its own fraught relationship with, with game developers and the industry after John Ricitello, the, the for, now former CEO, blew up that company's reputation. So Apple's kind of feeling like they might have backed the wrong horse, but like it's exactly what happened with them 10 years ago when NVIDIA shipped some chips onto um, some graphics chips. Again, this is all underlying. This is Apple's disinterest in hardcore AAA gaming that's coming back to bite them in the ass time and again. 10 years ago, NVIDIA ships some chips for a MacBook Pro. There are some issues with it. It forces Apple to do a, a, a repair, out of warranty repair program for that MacBook. It was expensive. And the executives, apparently the two companies didn't get along about the cause or, or the handling of it. And just permanent schism. Apple de- declares they're never gonna use NVIDIA's GPUs ever again. They're gonna go with AMD. And then it turned out NVIDIA's were way better and Apple people just had to kind of suck it up and use AMD stuff. And now we have to suck it up and use Apple's silicon because there's no relationship with NVIDIA. Now, like that sort of worked itself out because Apple goes in this direction of unified architecture. But here we are with Epic and I, I'm looking at these shitty cruising USA trees and I'm thinking like, man, this would look a lot better with Nanite and global illumination in Unreal Engine 5. And we're never going to see that. And it's a huge bummer. Because even if you have the most powerful hardware on the planet, if, if you don't have the right software pipeline rendering these images, it's going to look cartoony. So other stuff that feels work in progress. The video playback, you know, is good, I think. Uh, Apple, I played with Apple TV. I opened up Disney Plus. Um, Paramount Plus is just an iPad app, but it's, you know, there. Apple TV defaults to immersed and you can select a special environment called theater. And uh, by default, it puts you in a middle row and it's just in the playback control. So you can discover like you, you click on that and you can see, oh, I can go in the balcony or the floor and I can go front, middle, back. And it's when you're in the theater environment, you can't just drag drop the screen. The screen is the screen size. So like it's got a sense of real place. It's fine. I don't know, man. Like it's it's if you've ever used big screen on a quest 2 or on a valve index which is like an app for for this exact purpose it looks exactly like that uh it's a higher quality screen and that's nice and the audio is great congratulations like that, that's good it's not like i don't know again all the reviewers losing their shit over this stuff it feels to me like they never used another vr di- like display before and maybe that's the case and maybe that's the right way to play it because most people have never used vr before but um if you don't have a good TV in your house and this was your only TV, this is the TV you probably want to use. Uh, I, I'm very, very fortunate to have a great projector and 130 inch mounted like screen at home. And like, it's not that good. I'll be honest. I was expecting it to blow my fucking socks off. Uh, but the, the, the God rays kill it. It doesn't matter how good the resolution is. The light reflecting off the sides of the lens cap is so disruptive that I would much rather just be sitting on my couch or sitting in my theater chairs uh, and looking up at my real theater screen. Now that's a zeroth world problem or solution to a problem, but like it's just like it's not it's not mind blowing. What what has the opportunity to be mind blowing, however, are the immersive videos. Like those are really neat. Uh, Apple has released episode one of several immersive shows. I don't know if those were available or not during the review period, but one is, um, 
Oh, I forget their names. One was like a highline ropes person, you know, uh, in, in Norway, riding basically tight rope walking between cliffs. Those videos are very neat, like because you go in and now this is a different thing. This is not you looking at a screen or looking at a sort of 3D movie in a, in a cloudy frame. This is you are in this video and you can uh, you it's not 360, though. You can't turn and look around you. It's at most 180 and then you get the black blur. But it's uh, stereoscopic, and so you feel 3D. It has a sort of video game quality to it, even though it's not like rendered by a game engine. It sort of feels... There's a sort of sheen of artificiality to it. And I think it's a reconstruction that happens in some in post, in whatever cameras that they're using to stitch this together. Apple's apparently using custom camera gear that they've built just for Vision Pro. Uh, and they, they are very neat. Um, they, they look weirdly lower than Retina Res. So they not they don't trick my brain into thinking, oh my god, I'm really there. But ten years from now, they very well might. But again, it's just not good enough yet. It's it's. Would I watch a movie like a production blockbuster AAA, awesome movie in that over in a theater? Yes, but I think what we're going to get instead is remember how IMAX before its renaissance as a place where you saw real movies in the in the late '90s and early 2000s. IMAX was like the thing at the planetarium where you'd watch like a 15 minute documentary about the Apollo missions or whatever. That's where this is right now. And I think it's going to be there for a while because no one other than Apple is going to have any incentive to build that stuff. Uh, another thing reviewers seem to miss is they kept talking about how lonely the entertainment story would be and how SharePlay should be there. But like, as far as I can tell, SharePlay is there. Meaning like if you start a FaceTime call with another vision pro person and then you go and play some music there's a share play icon and there's a share play icon in the tv and like the support document says share plays there i haven't share played yet because i only thought about this this morning uh, so it's possible it just doesn't work or you get some sort of pop-up but like yes this is a lonely way to watch something but in theory you could sit with somebody start a share play session uh, via an ongoing facetime call and have the audio and video synced uh now i say that as a response to reviews i don't know if that's a good idea but it's Maybe if personas weren't so fucking creepy, that'd be kind of neat, especially if you're like long distance uh, or if I'm traveling and I want to, you know, watch a show with Becky. I could see again five years from now. Totally see it uh, about nausea and stuff. You know, I didn't experience any nausea, um, but I've got sea legs. <laughs> uh, the, the phrase sea leg, uh, you know, of course, like the references, you know, if you're on a boat for a long time, you get sea legs and you don't get so much seasickness anymore. Uh, so in, in VR terms, if, if people refer to legs, they mean, have you been using VR enough or often enough, or have you acclimated enough such that you don't get nausea from either the weight of the headset, the latency of the input or the uh, frame rate. And so I've got legs relative to like quest Two, like much lower level VR headsets, even though I don't use them often. Uh, and so this much higher frame rate, higher, you know, quality pass through and so forth. Uh, I experienced zero nausea so far in vision pro. And once I swapped out the really, really bad knit band for the, uh, uh, dual loop band, uh, it felt, it felt good. Uh, I feel good. I could do this for a long time. Uh, one other operating system ephemera, uh, that might, uh, jump out to you, uh, is if you're trying to use web XR, so like web XR is an open web standard for, for virtual reality experiences on the web. It, it is there, 
but it's hidden behind feature flags in Safari settings. So you have to go to settings and then app settings. So they've, they've taken all the app settings and hidden them for the first time underneath a thing called app settings. So if you're just scrolling the settings pane, you're going to miss it. Uh, and I, I keep missing it. Uh, then underneath there, you scroll way to the bottom, do advance and scroll way to the bottom and the feature flags. And you can turn on the three WebXR checkbox checkboxes. And I went to a site that has like a WebXR tester and it still didn't work right. Like the, 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 the contrast was all off and, and interacted interactions didn't work. So, but that's there. Um, man, bugs, so many bugs. I wrote like a list here that I've got like 15. I'm going to skip over a few cause I, I want to be mindful of your time. Uh, common failure mode, zombie window panes that can't be closed and which block other panes and, and occlude your ability to see behind them are really common. This, this happened four or five times, probably within every 30 minute session that I've used the device, I will eventually get some number of window panes that I cannot close that don't have any disclosure indicator underneath them or, or a little link, uh, a little, the little dot to close them. So the solution, if it's an app is you can press the top button and the crown simultaneously for three seconds, a force quit dialogue comes up and you can force quit multiple apps at once and click quit and I click confirm. Uh, so I'm force quitting a lot, but some of these zombie panes are like modal dialogues itself, like, 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 like modal dialogues that are like system level and they're not quittable. So the only solution when that happens uh, that I could find is to restart the whole device and figuring out how to restart the device reliably is something I still haven't done because holding down the top button doesn't always seem to bring up the slider. It's really hard when even your failure mechanisms fail, uh, Yeah, you know, failure mechanisms that fail. Apple in recent years, really in the last 15 years, has moved away from ever delivering error messages to users. They don't want users to see errors because they don't want users to experience errors. And so there's like some wish casting going on. Like maybe if we tell software developers they're not allowed to surface errors anymore as like dialogue saying error, negative 34. You remember back in the iTunes days, there were all these error codes and you'd Google the error code and figure out what was happening. It's almost like some executive at Apple said, hey, you know, I'm sick of all these fucking errors. Why don't we just not show them when they happen? And we'll just tell people to run a sysdiagnose or, or to look in the console app of their Mac to see what was really going on. So Apple has been on a crusade to reduce the number of error messages that show up in their platform. But like Vision Pro is their first opportunity with a brand new platform to just show zero fucking errors at all. <laughs> and when the only errors that I've seen are all things that could be qualified as the user's fault. Like you're in low light, so I can't hear, see your hands. Like there's a little warning dialogue for that. Or you're, um, if you hold, are trying to like lift the device, this is a common gesture, lift the device so it's higher on your face because it keeps drooping down. The uh, trackers, hand trackers will be blocked and they'll say tracking failed and the whole thing will go black and you'll get a, an error. But that's really like, it's really a your fault as the user, you're holding it wrong problem. Uh, I've seen zero errors that are like, you know, we done fucked up on this one. You know, that, that, that was a frozen app or this button that you're clicking that it's not doing anything. Like I'm sure it's generating gigabytes of logs of all of the sins that are being committed by these programmers to get this thing shipped on time. But as a user, it means when something fails, I have no idea. Did this fail? If it did, was it my fault? Was it the system's fault? I, it makes users feel powerless to rob them of 
that information. And so most vast majority of users, if you don't tell them that the system fucked up, they're going to think that they fucked up and they're going to feel like they're too dumb to use your system. And I know that I'm like well known in my little corner of the industry for finding bugs, but I think all that's different with me is I've gotten very good at, at identifying when to blame software as being the problem as opposed to myself. And I'm, I, I spend so much time on this and I harp on it so much because I see people blame themselves and I feel like if computers do one thing, they should, they should successfully not make people feel worse than they felt before they started using them. And I guess like if I, if I take that as a personal value, it's like why I'm anti social media and Instagram and feed based crap. Like, like, like I want people to feel as good or better after they're done with the system. And if they have a bad experience, uh, I want to at least be able to absolve them of guilt that like, Oh, I guess I'm not a computer person or I guess I'm not smart. So the lack of error messages real at a fundamental, like values level grinds my gears. Uh, because Apple is selling a vision. <laughs> Love the wordplay. Apple selling a vision that like this thing that, that it shit don't stink and it does. And when it does, they should own it, but they don't. And, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm happy to defend the company in all sorts of other ways where I think that they kind of get pooped on for, 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 you know, what I would say are, unreasonable reasons. But if your code has a bug and that bug gets in somebody's way, like own it. The, the my favorite thing about Safari, like Safari is Apple's best piece of software. And why is it Apple's best piece of software? Because when that team started, in addition to their test suite, which they actually had a test suite and they were the probably the only app that had a, a rigorous test suite at the time because they inherited it from KHTML, the the open source fork uh, uh, conqueror that they'd forked uh, uh, Safari from initially. They had a rule that like, if the build got slower, your, your commit was rejected. They would never make the build slower. It could only get faster. And I feel like the rest of Apple needs to have that like level of rigor because there's just too many moving parts. It's like the, uh, you know, the apocryphal or inaccurate, uh, uh, truism, aphorism, like that A hires hire A players and B hire B players hire C players. If everyone's like off their game just a little bit, the cumulative effect of every software developer and app and subsystem being off their game is dramatic. So if I'm sounding uh, harsh here, it's because I'm, this is just somebody like looking at it with very neutral eyes. Like I'm looking at it for what it is and it is clearly broken. It is clearly, it clearly doesn't work and I'm not willing to cut them any slack because they're not owning that they've their own shortcomings other than the features that aren't there. They'll, they'll say those features aren't there, but when like stuff goes wrong, like they don't own it. Uh, okay. Some other little notes. Um, some things I liked the optic ID, which is their face ID equivalent of scanning your eyeball has this, uh, animation that looks like a little circle kind of like the QR code shape and it makes a cute little roulette marble sound like it's slotting into place as it spins while it, while it determines if you are you. And that's a really pleasant sound. It's one of the best sound designs I've heard out of Apple in years. Um, another is that the top button it is effectively the capture button. You can tap it and you can take a, take a photo. 
those photos are low resolution. They're like, I think somebody calculated they're square and they're like six and a half megapixels. Um, but when you take one, even if it's grainy, even if it's not super high quality, and you look at it in photos later, there's an immersive button, and you can see it then in that same sort of 180-degree three-dimensional stereoscopic view where the stereoscopy, stereoscopy is good because the cameras are about eye-width apart. Uh, and so I took a picture of myself in my chair in my office last night, and I, uh, I didn't think about it. Then this morning downstairs in the living room, I looked at it, and it was like I was in my office staring at my feet uh, on my, on my ottoman instead of sitting in my, my living room, staring at my feet, uh, which were on the coffee table. Uh, very effective. I, I was impressed by that. Uh, if you let your finger touch the top of the device while it's been running for a while, you will find that that, that air is hot and that's good because it means the fan, the thermal system is getting a lot of hot air out of that system really quickly. And you don't generally, I haven't felt it on my face, so I'm grateful for that. I also don't have any fucking hair up there. So if you did, if you have bangs, you might feel, uh, don't bother blow drying, I guess, because uh, because it'll do that for you. Um, another app, an app that, a third-party app that I thought was very cute. I don't know I'd recommend it, especially because it's a subscription model, but it's called Flowrider. And you can type in prompts for AI to desi- describe any kind of space. You know, I want to be in a cyberpunk neon light city with lots of stuff around me. And then you click a theme and then you click go and it'll generate that 3d space as an environment. And because three third party apps can't create proper environments where you can do anything, uh, they, they're like, Oh, well, we got to ship something. And so they have a, um, a, like a note taking app where you can just write. So it's for ostensibly the purpose of this is that I'm a writer and I want to be in some fantastical world with hobbits while I write about hobbits, I guess, uh, very clever, very cute. And the idea now that a couple years ago, it would be absurd to think that AI would just generate realistic pictures of stuff that we can just type in and like, Oh yeah, you're just in a 3d world full of this shit. That was all models that were generated in real time by, by AI. Like that's pretty freaking cool. Uh, so it's, it's, it's worth at least signing up for the demo and then unsubscribing immediately and then launching the app and then trying it, uh, for the trial. I think it's like three days. Uh, some other little stuff that the Mac screen sharing, I haven't talked about it. It's, it's why I bought this thing and I haven't even mentioned it here in two hours. And it's because it's screen sharing. It's just, that's what it is. But starting it is kind of fussy. Uh, you need to either open control center in the vision pro and control center is a little tiny downward facing, uh, arrow that you'll see if you look straight up and if you focus on it, it'll open and then you can click the control center button, uh, which is, I guess, I guess I think they call that control center, but it's also, it's, it is the traditional control center icon that you click again to expand it for even more options. And one of those options is Mac screen sharing. And it will show you any Macs in the area that that support high performance screen sharing, but only ones that are awake. So that's really frustrating because now I've got a, you know, if I'm sitting over uh, in my my Eames chair in the back of my office, I got to go and jiggle the handle first on on my Mac Studio if I want to uh, activate it. So that's dumb. Uh, but screen sharing works, you know, you make a big screen and, and there you have it. It's a big screen. It's not quite, it's like not super high. It's like 1440 P resolution, but you can jack it up to be like, to look really big. But in most contexts, it looks close to retina enough for now. Uh, let's see. So, I mean, oh gosh, we've gone on long enough. Let's just talk about some big takeaways. 
I asked Becky about her takeaway and she, she reminded me of a conversation we had with another couple uh, who are also learning to golf. Becky and I are learning to golf right now. This couple's a bit ahead of us. And they said, you know, at some point you take these lessons and you could just keep practicing forever. But at some point you just had to go golf. And then now we go golf and we get better as we golf, right? You had to hit this point. Like if they just kept practicing, that would have been diminishing returns and they would have been stuck. I think that Apple has been working on this for seven years. And Becky's, you know, analogy is like Apple just had to get this out so that they could really iterate. And I think that's exactly right. They, this is not about us. It's about them. I think internally their engineering and their product and their design people needed for this to be a real product to find the threads that they had to keep on pulling to make it better. But of course, product marketing is never going to say that. Um, They're never going to say that on a quarterly call. We just have to know it. And that's why I'm not willing to cut them any slack here on the quality of the device because like, it's very expensive. I, I'm a developer. And so I'm insofar as I'm going to use this as a developer kit to build apps for it. Anything that I sell in from years zero through five are gravy, right? If I build something, in fact, I'm totally open to just building apps and not distributing them, just having them work completely locally and then unleashing them upon the world only once I need to, in order to make them better. And that might be years from now, similar, you know, analogous to the vision pro itself. So it's clearly the future, but it's definitely not the present. Um, yeah, hoping for lots and lots of software updates, and and I can't answer if it's worth it. I mean, if you have to ask, then the answer is no, it's not worth it. Uh, uh, they're not in such high demand right now. Like you can't, you can take a wait and see, and you, uh, you could buy one and try it, and if you don't like it, you return it, and that's one way for Apple to get the feedback that they that they fell short. But I'm probably going to keep mine, Becky. <laughs> I, I can't speak for her, but I don't know if the value proposition is there just yet. I hope, I hope she finds it. I hope, I hope she really enjoys looking at photos and videos in in an immersive sense because she, she actually loves looking at our photos, videos, and memories. And, uh, the sooner that she can have a more engaging experience with that stuff, the, the better her quality of life and and the happier she is, but it's only worth so much drudgery and nausea. (laughs) between here and there. Uh, just a couple, couple of mailbag things. Again, this is the vision pro extravaganza. So I'm going to focus on just the handful of emails I got yesterday, uh, about vision pro Nadia, uh, asks, have you tried things three, which shipped yesterday, the things that to do tracker app. And is it as exciting as they say? So yes, Things 3 was the first app that I installed on Division Pro because being able to do, here's my dream, screen share a Mac in the middle, keep things on the left side so I can glance at what am I doing, <laughs> so I can get it to do, and maybe music on the right. That way my screen can just be my code editor and a, and a browser. Hell, the browser could be above me, right? It could be a Vision Pro browser and just act, acting over the network. So that things three is vision pro and not an iPad app on day one is huge because the way that app is built with teeny tiny touch targets would be unacceptable if you were running the iPad app in vision pro. So it is a $30 surcharge because the way that things uh, cultured code sells the app is it's one time purchase per Apple ID shareable by families per um, uh, platform. 
So it's not a subscription and I've probably paid them a total of a hundred dollars and they're still rocking the charts in, in the paid charts. So I'm sure they're doing fine. I'm, I'm grateful that I haven't had to pay for new versions of things three for a decade. Uh, so I'm happy to pay the $30 now because I live out of this app. I'm looking at that app right now, actually. I used, uh, so Nadia, to answer your question, have I, is it as exciting as they say? I, this morning, organized this entire list of 150 items in Things 3 on Vision Pro with a keyboard and a trackpad. And it was great. Uh, there's a couple of rough edges, like if you hit Command-Shift-M to move something, the search isn't, you have to select the search or scroll to the top for it to actually like to be able to start typing. One of the nice things about things is you can just start typing anywhere in, in the other apps and it'll start searching for it. So some of the keyboard stuff is a little bit wonky, but the touch targets are great. The, it looks beautiful. Uh, it's, it's exactly what I think typical straightforward windowed apps should, how they should try to translate to the platform, at least for version one. So yeah, uh, Nadia, two thumbs up to you and two things on Vision Pro. Dave, a friend of mine way back from, from college, who I didn't know listened, but I'm grateful to hear from him. Is AVP good? Oh, one second. So a, AVP has become a uh, an acronym people use for the Apple Vision Pro. And I think, of course, Vision Pro uh, implies there's going to be a non-pro vision sometime. So I think Apple Vision is fine. AV is very heavily used. I see AVP and I just think of Alien versus Predator every time. I can't not. So is Alien versus Predator good for quote unquote productivity tasks like using a terminal or an IDE? Some reviews said that high hand gestures aren't as accurate and fast as keyboard and mouse. Well, well, Dave, if you're listening this far, you probably know what I think about that. And keyboard plus mouse behaviors depend on which kind of app or macOS screen you're using. Okay, so here... I think it's good for productivity if you have a keyboard and a trackpad. I have very limited experience so far, but like if you want a thing on your head and if you're share and, and if you're using Mac screen sharing for the things that only a Mac can do, then I think it's great. It's better than an iPad because the window management story, while really rudimentary, being able to have more than one window or one slide over thing at once is really nice on a screen bigger than 12 inches. Uh, I... Um, jury is out because I haven't actually on a normal work day, it's Saturday morning like I haven't sat down and tried to code on this thing all day long like I do with my X-Real glasses, uh, the, my little 1080p USB-C glasses that I plug into my MacBook Air, which is how I've been programming dominantly for like the last three months and it worked great for me uh, so yes, answer to the first question are eye hand gestures inaccurate and slow compared to keyboard and mouse? Yes, they're inaccurate and slow and, and I would not recommend them for, for productivity but our keyboard and mouse behaviors depend on what kind of app you're in. Yes. So when you're in screen sharing, pinchy pinch doesn't work. Mice work, but mice don't work outside of screen sharing. The one and only 2021 or later magic key magic trackport pad works both inside screen sharing and outside screen sharing. So that's the one to get. <laughs> Sorry, that's going to be 120 bucks or whatever. Uh, and, and so that'll work in all contexts, keyboard, same thing. So, uh, the, the, the tricky bit though, is you, when you are tracking with a trackpad, uh, uh, or typing, you are typing or tracking inside of the active pane. And if there's no active pain, it's not like you can move from active pane to active pane, uh, or window by just 
swiping uh, along the trackpad to the left. You have to be looking at that thing. And once you start looking at it, then the, the little highlighting indicator will just move around that pane. It's pretty seamless, except for when it fucks up which, what's the active view because it's trying to track what you're looking at. And if it, if it pulls forward something from the, from the background to the foreground and then hides the foreground to the background while you're in the middle of a sentence, that's, that's less good. But yeah, good question, Dave. Thanks. A uh, few questions from Mike. How does it stack up to a Valve Index? It's a totally different product. Valve Index, no battery. It's got a cable. Valve Index is a good looking thing. Both have God Ray issues, like I mentioned. Uh, at this point, I'd probably buy a Quest 3 and use Steam Link VR if I was if I was using this for immersive games. Uh, next question, would you, would you use this thing for VR gaming if you could? I mean, yes. If No Man's Sky ran on this thing, I would do it. Or if Steam Link, if Steam VR like releases as an app that I can like stream uh, to Vision Pro from my PC, I would do it. Now, the unfortunately, the Wi-Fi NIC uh, on the Vision Pro is not 6E, so like the lo- super low latency, um, which is a bummer because that would be necessary. So it may not even be very feasible. And what things you hoped it do, you did once and you're like, I'll never use, I'll never just use my iPhone, iPad, Mac in the future. What things, hmm, nothing yet. I think it's not about what function do I want out of this device. It's what context do I want? Like I want my body to be able to be in a neutral position in a slight recline and relaxed state without my neck clenched and without my posture being bent out of shape. Like it is right now is like lean into a microphone. Uh, and to get to achieve that now, I can't use any existing Apple device because I, I, I use these little headsets right against my MacBook Air. This is the only chance I have to achieve that, especially in a retina display quality. You know, I've got a 6K screen in front of me uh, running macOS, and it's still not not what I need, not what I'm looking for. So I really hope that from a context perspective, this becomes the display I want to use. And, that, and if that becomes the case, it's not really about what function must I use this for. It's like, is this the context I want to be in as much as humanly possible? Uh, I suspect that when I'm on the road and I have a laptop, I would much rather be looking through this thing all of the time than ever looking through the laptop again, especially because I'm flying economy on Monday. So there you go. All right, let's call it. Uh, it's It's been fun. It's been real, y'all. I I hope I don't sound too down on this thing. I just wanted to like pull back the covers and say the things that I didn't hear in other reviews. Uh, is it amazing? Is it incredible? Is it? Yes, but that's all boring. This is how it really is once you've sat with it for more than a few minutes. Uh, and, and hopefully, it, it, uh, you know, this conversation, assuming you haven't gotten a Vision Pro yourself yet, uh, illuminates some of the kind of jagged edges that, that you'd only otherwise have experienced if you actually went and got one because uh, a demo would not have been enough. Yeah, let me know. I would love to hear from you. Uh, uh, thoughts on this, on this discussion that we just had, uh, podcast at surls.co or uh, any follow-up questions, or if you've got an experience with Vision Pro that disagrees with this one, or if you caught any mistakes or anything in, in anything that I shared, uh, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, and I'm sure we'll, we'll be talking about this platform a bunch every time I do one of these episodes, but uh, I, over while it's still new, there's going to be plenty to talk about. So oh, what do the kids say these days? Peace out? No, they don't say that anymore. Goodbye forever.